Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. talk Dodgers Brewers it was a good series right or am I crazy well it would have been a better series if the Brewers had won it would have been a better series if the Brewers had won but we actually got a game seven I mean you yeah. can't I feel like you can't fully look a gift horse in the mouth when you get that and it was close it was close throughout through most of it yes that's very true the game the game was not out of hand uh you noted <laughs> that Corey Bellinger decided to wake up which is true he's actually playing like he's not going to be a fifth rounder <laughs> well he's got the world series to to prove that he's the guy that he was in 2017 but i buried the lead here i've officially won the world series bet yeah 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 okay that's all right. that's all we had to say about that i mean you're you're still smarting from that i really think my perception is that you really still thought the brewers were going to pull it out and i was going to be in trouble i was hopeful <laughs> I was hopeful that it was going to be that I was going to have some silver lining if the Red Sox lost. You want to tackle some fantasy news or lack thereof? We haven't checked in on fantasy lately. Two big pieces of news and one piece of no news, right? Uh, the Mandalorian is a Star Wars live action show that is. Do they have a release date for it? They don't, right? I, I don't. I don't know of the release date. Yeah, but. They're just starting to leak info about this. They've got pretty good people attached to it. They are really trying to fill in. Um, they're really trying to make anything, anything that they possibly can with this investment that they made <laughs> in, in buying well, Star What Wars. do you mean? I mean, right, because they haven't already made their money back. I mean, they have. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. They're just trying to milk this thing my biggest concern is that it's going to be like the marvel universe where it's like i can't even i can't even comprehend what's happened because i'm like so many movies behind and so many shows behind etc is this replacing the boba fett movie yes i think so that's my perception okay i mean i think that they feel so burned by solo that they Mm -hmm. have that this is their version of scaling something back okay that's Piece one of fantasy news. Uh, <laughs> piece, yeah. piece two of fantasy news. I'm angry that George R. R. Martin has a book coming out <laughs> on November 20th. You know, I've got two books that I have to write. But, you know, here's about a thousand, a thousand pages on the history of the Targaryens in a, <laughs> a novel called no, Fire and this Blood. This is the first of two volumes. Right. This I, one, and it's... 736 pages which means oh it's 736 okay i'm sorry it's 736 it's gonna be pages. 1500 pages <laughs> it is I, I don't i don't know what to say i don't know what to say like <laughs> i don't know i'm so mad about this are you gonna read yeah them? obviously but i'm still so mad about it 
Man, the same thing happened to Robert Jordan, where he was getting close to the end and was like, let me, here's a, here's a backstory. Here's another backstory. Here's, <laughs> I am going to write out 10,000 pages of notes yeah. for the person that's going to take, uh, that's going to carry this on after I die. <laughs> Have you heard anything about the Aragorn show that Amazon is supposedly making? No, and I keep on trying to find information and and not seeing anything. It's bad news if you go to, you know, you do a Google news search and there's literally no news since October 6th. <sighs> yeah, and, and the only, like, good news is from, like, yeah. June. Yeah, and it's not good news from, from earlier October. No. Come on, guys, get it together. We're looking forward to that show. <sighs> yeah, very much so. All right, this week on the pod, we are going to think ahead, actually, on something that we don't often do. We're going to look at 2019 early rankings. Uh, We grabbed one list that was actually available, and we're going to do sort of the same exercise that we did last week when we talked about the 2018 early season rankings compared to the end. We're going to talk, focus on guys that are overvalued or improve their value and guys that strongly decreased their value and i think we're going to try and make some predictions so here we go last week you told me that we were building on the wisdom of the people and that's why we looked at fantasy pros which aggregates lists Uh this week i don't have an aggregate list i have one guy (laughs) tristan cockroft you know therefore i thought why not even why don't we just take his full top 300 (laughs) oh boy yeah (laughs) No, just keep going. Not top hundred. Let's, let's, I mean, I want to. I want to say quickly that I think we both really trust Tristan Carcroft's analysis in general. Yeah, I think so, and I think that part of that um, is he isn't going to go for the outlier takes, and he isn't going to, and he's <laughs> going to go by the numbers and sit on the median, and so. Uh, it's very rare that you see something really flashy in his rankings or in his analysis. And, and even if you listen to their podcast, you'll, he'll be like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to drop them down. I'm ready to drop them down from, you know, 45 to like 50. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, I, I think that's really true. And actually I hadn't, I had not picked up on that. I'm glad that you said that, that that's, that he is like the ultimate, middle of the road and he's the ultimate benchmark analysis to use Mm -hmm. no he's a good i think he's a good benchmark analysis because you're not yeah he's not going to create crazy takes and he's also um if you read between the lines and what he does on the on the podcast and his writing um he is also trying to be a resource for 10 team 12 team 16 team leagues al nl as well which is when you're dealing in all those myriads you're not going to have um kind of as aggressive takes or and you're not going to have kind of the shield for that in having aggressive takes that said i mean i think he does pretty well in all of his leagues (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean considering that eric carabell has pretty much the same job and he always says that tristan carcraft does significantly better than him (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's not not surprising (laughs) Uh, part of the reason, part of the other motivation behind just borrowing this list and, and maybe someday we'll get to a point where we actually can, can make lists like this. 
uh, is that we have his 2018 preseason analysis. So we have access to pretty much the exact same, the exact same piece of information. And that really makes for the jumping off point for this discussion. Sometimes the data dictates the analysis. All right. Uh, Let me toss it over to you here for a second. What should we be on the lookout for in this top 100, 300 ranking that we learned from our our (laughs) after-the-fact analysis last week? That you have a real chance of picking guys that aren't going to (laughs) produce at all for you. You have a one-in-two chance. Every other player um, on in the top 100 could be um, a bad pick. Could be significantly worse than they're rated right now. Yeah, I I think that's a good takeaway. It, do we have do we have anything to offer about about positions? I mean, I th- I think we I think we sort of agreed that pitchers were even worse, right, than position players. Yeah, and we also identified that what you're going to see in a lot of these places is the top 10 is not going to have many pitchers mm-hmm. in it. But at the end of the season, there will be a couple of pitchers that have made it into the top 10. And I don't think that that's, I don't think that's wrong because you have a hard time of predicting which picture, which pitchers are going to do well. You just know that one or two are going to do better than everyone else and be able to supply more value than anyone else. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's really true, and and you kind of are hamstrung because obviously you need pitchers on your team, and in order to win, you need good pitchers on your team. I mean, you you have mm-hmm. to hit on one of those guys that's going to end up in the top thirty overall. Yep, absolutely. All right, so so maybe we'll be a little bit on the lookout for that as we talk through these. Let's do the top line analysis here. Uh, there is not a lot of scatter comparing the 2018 preseason rankings to the 2019 preseason rankings, in my opinion. I just plotted, I matched the guys and plotted them against each other, gave you this scatter plot, sorted it out by position to see if there was any sort of bias going on. I don't know. <laughs> what what do we make of this? It's it's pretty relatively tightly correlated around one-to-one. Yeah, and um, and that's what you'd expect. Yeah, there not a whole lot of outliers. I think I... I mean, I see the first baseman more um, in this just because the colors that you uh-huh. use, but I don't think that there's, I'm not seeing much of a trend. Most of them are below the um, 2018 to 2019 one-to-one line. So I think he, I think he backed off the relief pitchers because if you, if you look, there's not as well, there's yeah. relief. There's a bunch of relief pitchers between 100 and 200 that are above the one-to-one line. And mm-hmm. he improved the starting pitchers a little bit, which to me ran slightly counter to the new quote unquote prevailing wisdom of starters getting less innings have less fantasy value. But it's the whole thing of if, if there's scarcity, then um, value is more important. Okay. So you think that maybe that's what we're seeing? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of analysts will say, a lot of fantasy analysts will say, game theory wise that if you know if there are a lot of if there are more home runs then you need to get the guy who's going to hit 10 more home runs i mean people have people say that but our strategies especially that we've talked about on this pod have run have a lot of times emphasized okay people say that so run counter to that mm-hmm. hey, I, i'm not saying that it's right <laughs> 
So I, I guess I was, I'm wondering if we can overinterpret this plot a little bit and see those strategy changes coming to bear. I mean, I think watch out. I think pitchers are going to be, um, are going to be overranked. Okay, overranked. Okay, so let's dig into the numbers here. I we're going to think you need to think correction based here for what I actually did, which is the metric is like akin to the the stock rising, where these values that we're going to toss out negative means that they rose that percentage, positive means that they fell that percentage in value, and what we're really seeing here is the effect of the 2018 season on a player's inherent value. So what you thought they were going to be like before the 2018 season, then you have all the 2018 season and you reevaluate and think about what they're going to, how valuable they're going to be for next year. Uh, my first overarching note on this is that guys gained more than they lost, meaning it's a, there's an asymmetric distribution where um, certain players really boosted their value a huge amount. And then in order to make room for that, everyone else just kind of shifted down one spot. So for instance, mm-hmm. okay. somebody yep. like Trey Turner, who we'll talk about in just a second, vaults up the rankings and he pushes everybody else. He vaults up you know, five, 10 spots. He pushes everyone down one spot. So their value doesn't decrease as much. I also think that in general, mental regression is very weak. Like we are reluctant to regress players uh, significantly over just based on the performance of a year, even though we know that there are some pretty poor 2018 performances that aren't necessarily being hammered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, let's go through some number of the the more valued the guys that improved their value and the guys that that decreased their value. You're actually seeing here some of the stuff that some relievers did move around. Um, mm-hmm. And you're seeing some of the young guns coming out. Whit Merrifield, I'll give you him as a as a young gun. And uh, young Acuna gun. <laughs> also appears. More of a young gun. Well, here again, on math, if you're just doing this by math-wise and you're trying to figure out how you can win a stat more, I mean, if you have a guy that steals 40 bases when no one else is stealing 20, I mean, yeah, that's super valuable. That's why Trevor Story is going to be super valuable this year because he does, you know, both. I don't know Trevor Story is super valuable. Let me pull him up. He's uh, Wow. Tristan Cockcraft has him 25 going into the year. Yeah. 25. A spot yeah. ahead of Acuna. He's, he thinks that Trevor Story is going to be more valuable than Garrett Cole on balance this year in 2019. I mean, I, I, I'd, if I had a, a model on pitchers, I would just take wherever they landed and then, yeah, subtract like five. <laughs> <laughs> that said, Trevor Story is, is the sixth shortstop off the board on this list. How insane mm-hmm. is that? There's some really good shortstops right now. And some really good second basemen. Some, they're in some ways the top tier is pretty yeah. deep. But um, yeah, if you're if you're waiting, um, I feel like sh- you can get really screwed at like short and second. Do you think that's true? Is that is that a takeaway for you from this? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, and starting to look at these and, and starting to look at this analysis, you have more guys. Um, you have a lot more guys that are questionable. Where they might hit, they probably won't. So shortstop 10, for example, is Corey Seager. 
That's a that's an interesting pick. <laughs> that is right. There you go. It doesn't that that's exactly what I'm saying. Right? I mean, Corey Seeger is a wild card. You don't know if he's gonna come back from the injury. He might be really good. He might give you no value at all. Who else do you got? He's the he's the end he's the end of the value because Gene Segura is shortstop eleven. Okay. Right. Same. I feel like very similar. That's so there there's like there's the cliff. So you give Corey Seeger some like Okay, maybe he's gonna come back. He's like trying to scale the cliff currently, and then and then after that, it's you know, let's see, shortstop twelve is Didi Gregorius, right? So you go from having it's like really deep from Lindor to what? What is the what is the end of that tier? Like Bogarts, so Bogarts, and then Glaber Torres. You could make an argument. Okay, so somewhere around. Once you get to Bogart's Glaber Torres territory, you're like, okay, yeah. huh. <laughs> things have changed. Whereas you had Lindor, <laughs> Lindor, Machado, Turner, Baez, Story. Um, you know who who else? Correa. You know those are going to be so good. This is crazy because because Corey Seager overall is is 59 on this list, so. Basically, every team should have taken a shortstop or a second baseman by the end of round five. Yeah, that's oh, that might be the case. Wow, oh, that's a change in value. Yeah, and we, and you're only at second baseman number four. That is out of the first. That's 60. a big change. I mean, Whit Merrifield is the fifth that's second baseman, the fifth like guy that actually plays second base. <laughs> at number sixty-three. Not that wow. I'm saying that that Whit Merrifield <laughs> doesn't have value. But I don't know. Do you do you want to start Whit Merrifield at second base or in the outfield? I think that part of his value is by having having that dual okay. eligibility. All right, get him in the lineup just a little bit more. Okay. We had a lot more discussion about general fantasy news that we had to cut. Hopefully, we'll get back to that at some point. In the meantime, here's some new information in the light versus dark roast coffee debate. They tried a sensory tasting workshop where they had you put on headphones and listen to tones while you drank coffee. And he said that certain tones would profoundly change the flavor of the coffee. And I thought to myself, I've got an in here to get Eric to like a different kind of coffee. Oh boy. Wow, you're going to like try to figure out how to brainwash me. That's right. That, so I'm, gonna de- I'm going to design a, a coffee soundtrack for you, I think. Okay, so you want to talk about some of these devalued players? Uh, we sort of talked about this a lot last week, so it, most of this is names that we mentioned. I mean, I feel I feel kind of I feel kind of bad about them, but uh, I just want to point out that that <laughs> most guys didn't decrease their value a lot. Remember, I prefaced this by saying that there weren't that large of revisions downward. Okay, well, that's not true in the case of Joey Votto, who decreased his value by eighty mm-hmm. percent, and. Bryce Harper, who decreased his value by 60%. <laughs> and then you also have the other yeah. suspects. Actually, somebody that we didn't talk about last week, I think, is Chris Bryant. We, we mentioned him and, the, him and Correa being very similar in, in, in the kind of seasons that they had. where they. S- but now we're kind of seeing them going in opposite directions, right? Well, I mean, we don't know. We will know more on the injuries that the two of them had this season um, in spring training camp, I think. I think that's true. Uh, so Chris Bryant is 30 overall. Would you buy or sell there? 
Oh, I take Chris Bryant. You trade Chris Bryant at thirty. Um, I don't know if I would do that. I think over Carlos Correa. Wow, of course. Yeah, they're no, right. they're right. Of course, they're going to be right next to each other in these rankings. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I look at this and I have a hard time picking Chris Bryant over Blake Snell, for instance. I don't. okay, I do. Or Reese I have Hoskins. okay. I can. I would pick Chris Bryant over Reese Hoskins, but I don't know that I would pick him over Verlander. Over, I mean, Soto could actually be lightning in a bottle here. I I don't know. I don't know. That's that's an interesting one there. I think I think that's probably exactly where his ADP is going to appear. But I don't know if I could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about another guy here? Decreased in value by thirty percent. Freddie Freeman. I never. I I've never been good with evaluating Freddie Freeman's value. <laughs> is that because he barely plays? That's, that's part of it that's it's a big part of it yeah he, and um cockroft has been a huge freddie freeman um truther believer believer <laughs> not truther. i think i think I'm we are freddie truther. freeman truthers uh the other guys other sus you know dominant suspects on this a little little back off for robbie ray here which i actually kind of i actually kind of buy i think that's just sort of general regression for him um you know, see the see the Buster Posey fall off. It's predicting a little, saying that Max Scherzer can't hold that that incredible rate anymore. Um, I just I think did, that's yeah, a safe regression. Against. It's like it's a gambler's fallacy, though. I think it's not the gambler's fallacy. I guess in this case of of saying the opposite of like. <laughs> He's been good so many years in a row. One of these years, he has to be bad. I, yeah, th- th- that's true. I think is okay. Is Max Scherzer gambler's fallacy or not? That's a good question. Um, other, you know, general disappointments on here. Somebody else that we didn't talk about, Joey Gallo, moving down. Um, somebody that I think a couple of years mm-hmm. ago everybody thought was going to have huge potential, and then they're just slowly backing him off on that. <laughs> I, he's sort of one of those guys that he, he is what he is. You're going to try to figure out um, the tools that he doesn't have. He may not have. To me, the the mo- the purest exemplification of I'm only backing guys off a little bit is Miguel Cabrera still coming in at 161. <laughs> yeah, it's probably over. I think it's over. I mean, I, I'm not convinced maybe. that he doesn't just retire at some point. Very well might. Oh, does he? Well, I don't know how much money he has. I should look at his contract. I think he's probably fine. Uh, the other thing, one thing that I did, just the last thing on this, is that I sorted this by age and then looked at where guys were ranked, which is very interesting. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm I'm out here still predicting that Edwin Encarnacion is going to fall off. Dude is 36. <laughs> still ranked 81. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be effective for a while. They're, that's a baseball body. It is a baseball body, but Albert Pujols is a baseball body, too. Oh, like he actually, Pujols makes the list in the top 300. Unbelievably. Pujols is not a baseball body because he was actually jacked. <laughs> <laughs> this is more like the, um, the weightlifter falling apart. More like the like weightlifter he... falling apart. All right, I accept that. There, look, there's 100 guys that are over 30. More than 100 guys. There's 116 guys that are over 30 on this list. Yeah, like Justin Upton. I just don't believe that Bill James would look at this and, and say, like, this curve is not right 
Like, this is not working. Something is up. Something's up. Justin Bohr made it. Wow. I know. Okay. When you go down to 300, interesting stuff happens. All right, you want to wrap this sucker up? Oh, in my head, I was like, we're done with BoJack. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. We are done with BoJack, but we haven't, ta- we haven't discussed how we're done with BoJack. I think, in part, I was worried to discuss this because these are two hard episodes to discuss. Um, yeah, at least I did like that the last one. Well, I don't know. I'm sort of torn about him going to rehab. Um, I feel like he's not going to actually go to rehab. Yeah, I think we're in a place to make some, you know, make some wild predictions about what season six looks like. I th- there's Bojack has always been willing to sort of bend the narrative rules. Like a lot happens between a lot can happen between seasons or nothing simultaneously, mm-hmm. or nothing. Like between yeah, four know. and five, nothing happened. Right? Like he was like suddenly he was just they just jumped right into shooting Filbert. Right. Whereas, and then this season was a long time. Yes, they they do mess with that as well. I feel like they'll they'll yada yada their way out of rehab and just make Bojack mm-hmm. whatever they want him to be. It's sort of like what happened with Archer after they lost track of what they wanted to do with the show. Oh, right. And then it was like Miami Vice yeah. and all those different. And they're just like, we're just going to use the same characters and do literally whatever we want. Do you think that he's going to, um, I think that there are two ways that they could do this. One is that he becomes addicted with something else like yoga or working out or um being healthy Mm. or two is that he spends the entire time um trying to trying to get a healthy relationship with alcohol (laughs) i don't know i mean i could i could see it going either way i feel like they might have him do something not related to alcohol just to be totally different but mm-hmm. that said i feel like i'm bad at predicting this show because it on some level deals with the inherently insular hollywood culture of which i have no understanding yeah no it does there are a lot of inside jokes and a lot of um a lot of pieces la life and um and that kind of culture that we don't understand that i feel like i have like some tacit understanding from from um listening to james bonding podcast <laughs> and and the how did this get made podcast yeah. I feel like they're always talking about like industry kind of stuff no i think i but yeah. i i mean we don't know any we, we don't know this world. we have no experience with industry with you know it's a totally different world let's talk about the world series here boston LA, two very good teams. Do you want to make a prediction, or would you prefer, since your team is actually in it, that you just watch it? I'd prefer to just watch it. Um, I I think that a lot. I've heard a lot of people saying and making the case for um, Red Sox in six. Fine, Red, Red Sox <laughs> I, I in six. Interesting. Sure. I um yeah, actually that seems like if we were running a central limit theorem <laughs> analysis here. I would say Red Sox in six is mm-hmm. the correct pick. Yeah, and if I went by my gut, I would say I, I would put a bet on it being a sweep. Really? Either direction. I don't know which direction, but either direction, I would put money on it being a sweep. I would say Red Sox in six, or one of the two teams will sweep the other one. It's true that the Dodgers could could just gear up for a sweep. 
and just do it. The Red Sox were built for the regular season. They have, I think that they um, went toe to toe with teams that are in many ways better than them. And, you know, their luck could just, their luck could be done. Their luck could be done. I think um, there's, I shared an article with you that was talking about the, the most enjoyable games in the playoffs have been mm-hmm. when closers blow saves. But I think that Craig Kimbrell has gotten this all out of his system. We shall see. Because he made some he made some games interesting. <laughs> oh god. Cardiac kid. Alright, that about brings us to the review session. Hook. Hook is a good movie, and I am embarrassed by how much of it I forgot. You'd forgotten? Yeah. Wow. I I there are so many scenes where I was like, oh yeah, this. Oh yeah, this. Yeah. That, well, that's exactly what I mean. It's, it was like, it was like I couldn't have conjured this in my mind in a million years, but now that I see it, I'm like, yeah, wow, I remember this like deep, <laughs> deep inside my conscious. I'll, I know there's so much of that. What is it? He kept on doing the Liza. It was like Lisa, yeah. <laughs> Liza, and, and and then she'd be like, and she'd correct him, and he's like, that's what I said. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's where I I stole that from. <laughs> I think we're a little split on the the what the takeaway should be from the soundtrack in this. I think don't get me wrong, I think we both love it, but oh, I think I like it because it's totally a rip off of Star Wars. Oh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so. It does have a lot of the same themes. It was clearly like the B-side <laughs> of a lot of the Star Wars yes. stuff, things he had kicking around. Um but I think it's he created a nice universe for that sound. That was a really but good sound. Two years later, this is ninety ninety one. Two years later, Jurassic Park. There's no way that you can confuse that for Star Trek B Star Star Wars B side. Mm. And mm-hmm. and it's not like okay. you go to a I, fantasy world in the future with him in Harry Potter, and that can't be confused either. Like I would have, okay. I would have expected there to be more parallels between Hook and Harry Potter than between Hook and and Star Wars. If you're trying to world build through music. You know, I think part of it is that part of it is that if you listen to the prequel soundtracks, they sound a little bit more like Hook. Which I think you might have been able to keep them apart a little bit more. Like um Attack of the Clones has some themes that are similar to um to the hook stuff <laughs> this is this has been quite the deep dive uh oh yes i is this your favorite dustin hoffman role a hundred percent yeah has to has to be my favorite glenn close role as well <laughs> favorite phil collins role no <laughs> really no <laughs> a top five of robin williams roles definitely great because we are the right age to see um, th- to have seen these children in ourselves at the at that age mm-hmm. when the movie came out, very impactful on that point. Lost Boys, yeah, and you're able to go back. I'm able to go back at least. Oh yeah. Oh totally. Okay, what are what are we gonna tackle this week? Minority Report. Oh boy, I had wondered if you were gonna 
if you're gonna bring this one okay cool. of course i was gonna pick that you are mr 90s i'm mr early 2000s or <laughs> yeah. you know, turn of the century <laughs> you really are okay time for a little <laughs> housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manner for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on SoundCloud or Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!